Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It really encourages us that you're here. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Colossians, we'll be looking there in the first chapter in just a few minutes. And uh, if most of our scriptures, well, our scriptures won't be on the screen tonight. So if you want to borrow a Bible that's in the pew there in a rack in front of you, it should be on page 1045, 1045. And uh, we will continue our study in Colossians that we began this morning that we're also going to continue for several weeks. And so it'll give us an opportunity to really learn one particular book in the Bible much better. And we look so forward to that of just uh, benefiting from learning God's word together. Uh, we're excited about the big old youth group supper that's going to take place after service tonight. I know uh, probably some of you guests are here because of that. And we're thankful that your children uh, are here and active and a part of the life of this congregation. We are really thankful that you allow them to be here. And we're thankful that you're here with them tonight. That, that is really a, a great encouragement to us. And uh, we hope that this uh, that, that what we do as a congregation is beneficial to your family and we give God all the glory for that. And we look forward to hearing great things and, and seeing great things in a few minutes uh, about our youth. Also, we want to remind you that in your pews there and then also scattered throughout the foyer, you'll see a bookmark such as this. And if you're sitting on the end and want to pass those down and there's also calendars you can pass down. And if you were not here last week, uh, be sure and take one of each of those. And I know some pews are not going to have them. And so on the way out, grab one from another pew. Uh, but what we want you to especially see is this is a weekly Bible study. And we encourage you to find a class on Wednesday night and get involved. And this weekly Bible study might be a perfect place for you because this is a study you can do on your own, but then go in Wednesday evening class in 204. Tim Martin is the teacher. Uh, last week, I heard several that were in there for the first time that were talking about how much they benefited from it. It truly is a great study. And so find your place. We want you to find your place in and worship, of course, but find your place in our Bible classes and let's worship and serve God together. Let's grow in knowledge together. We're thankful for recovery through Christ. This is a great time to get involved. If you have any hangups or addictions or habits that are bad habits that you want to get rid of once and for all, you're tired of them reoccurring in your life, this is perfect timing. Uh, step one is just beginning. It's Tuesday evening, seven to nine. Yesterday, there were five congregations here learning more about how to begin RTC in their congregations. And several of them have already announced a start date. And those congregations are from Memphis, Jackson, and uh, one in Nashville, and then surrounding areas. And we are so thankful uh, for the great work that is being done here in that, and then that it's also now uh, going to many other cities, and already a few uh, other states are involved in that. And we are so thankful. Uh, we would definitely be amiss if we didn't mention some important things happening in our church family, the individuals of our church family. Jay and Sandra Keff right now are in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, many of you are aware of uh, Misha and Karina that were here from Ukraine on a hosting program. Uh, and also there is a potential that that could turn into an adoption. Uh, Jay and Sandra will have the opportunity tomorrow to sit down and have a meal with the director of their orphanage from Ukraine. And we hope, but also pray uh, that good things could come about as a result of that. Uh, little Karina, they were trying to explain to her, and you understand that, that this is just a visit and you'll be going back. And uh, her answer to that was, no, 
I'm going to America. My parents are English. And uh, we, we hope and, uh, and we pray if it's God's will uh, that, that truly uh, what her uh, statement was uh, stated would be true. Also at this very time, uh, John and Andrea White are uh, in China right now. They just flew uh, today from Beijing over to, to uh, Jinzhou. And uh, they are in Jinzhou now, which is where Sam's orphanage is. And so if everything goes as scheduled tomorrow, they'll be able to have Sam in their arms, of course, for the first time and uh, hopefully for many, many years to come. And you think about a, a little boy who is an orphan today and tomorrow he will have a Christian mother and father and he'll have three wonderful sisters, Caitlin, Riley and Grayson to look up to. And I would say that that orphan just went into the top 1% of the world's population. Uh, the things that matter the most, the things that matter the most, uh, that orphan uh, just found a place uh, for his life and his soul to be pointed toward God. And uh, we want to pray uh, that that adjustment uh, is not always easy. And we want to pray that it will be uh, beneficial uh, for the White family and uh, Sam as he is now part of the White family. Also, I want to share with you some very sobering news. Um, all of us perhaps here uh, know and love Santino Har. And uh, since the middle of December, uh, South Sudan has been in civil war. And uh, recently there have been reports that things have settled down. Uh, but this past week he learned, and, and I put an error there in Juba, because usually if you hear world news, they'll talk about things happening around Juba. But far north of South Sudan, on the border of South Sudan, is the town uh, that, that Centino grew up in and his family is from. And he received a phone call this past week that uh, the media is not reporting, but the conflict is still very heavy in his area. And uh, hopefully at the end of last week, there was some good news that maybe there's some rest there. But that was before uh, he had three aunts on his mother's side of the family to die in the past five days. And he's had a cousin's wife to pass away along with her four children. And um, Santino asked for our prayers. And uh, we, we want to honor that. And when we look at this next uh, slide here, it just really is sobering to think uh, that right now uh, we have parents that have hosted children in hopes of adopting them, that are sending them back tomorrow to Ukraine. We have a family right now uh, in China, and we have a brother in Christ that's a member here who's grieving the loss of, of individuals uh, in South Sudan. And uh, we definitely, we live in a global world, and uh, we live in a global world that God gives us the opportunity uh, to be involved in uh, directly, heavily, and prayerfully. Uh, will you join me in prayer? Let's bow. Most gracious God, we humbly bow before you uh, with mixed emotions. God, we uh, pray with great concern that your will will be done uh, in the lives of the Kefs and in the possibility of adopting Misha and Karina. God, you know what's best and we trust you. Uh, you know what we see in our eyes and what we feel in our heart.
We'd see two orphans that long to have a mother and a father. And we know the Kefs. We know them uh, for many, many years. We know their faithfulness. We know their love for you. Uh, we know they're good children, Michaela and Jameson. And God, it's our prayer. You tell us to ask. And so we ask you that that adoption would work out. But God, we pray that your will be done. We pray that you bless their travels back to Ukraine and the Kefs back home here to Mount Juliet. We pray that you bless their meal tomorrow with the director, that the right things can be communicated. God, we also pray for the whites. Uh, just in a few hours, uh, their lives will be blessed and changed. What a great addition. And we thank you and we give you all the glory. God, we pray that Sam will be able to adjust them well and that uh, you could give Sam peace instead of fear. We pray that you could give him comfort instead of turmoil. And we pray that, that he will quickly uh, not only love, but love John and Andrea as his mother and father. We are thankful for those sweet sisters that he has. And we pray that you will bless their lives as right now uh, their parents are away from them. And we pray that you'll put your arms around them and uh, that they will find joy and comfort in the good work and the good action and the good hearts uh, that they and their parents have and that you have blessed. God, our heart breaks that there is such turmoil in various places around the world and especially in South Sudan. And God, we pray that peace would abound. God, I'm mindful of when Santino became a Christian and he said, we must take Christ back to my people. That's the only way they will know peace. And God, that is our prayer. We are thankful for the great work that Don Humphrey leads in South Sudan to do just that, to take the Lord Jesus Christ to those people. God, we pray that there will be great success there, not only for peace on earth, but peace in their souls, that they can be right with you. God, we pray for Santino's family. Uh, so many of them have, have lost close loved ones. And God, we ask your comfort. You tell us that you're the God of all comfort who can comfort us in all of our tribulation. We ask your comfort in Santino's life and in his family's life. And we pray also for his immediate family that they soon would be able to come in, to America and be reunited with him. God, we pray that you will bless that procedure. We are thankful again for Don Humphrey and the many hours of work that he gives uh, to make that a reality. And we pray that you will bless that work and that truly soon they can be united as a family. God, uh, we're reminded of how blessed we are to be adopted into your family. God, our prayer is that we'll always lift you high and that your son and you will be preeminent in our lives and that we truly will be kingdom people and that your will will be done on earth and in our lives and in our hearts and our behavior just as it is in heaven. God, we thank you that we can have opportunities like tonight to be surrounded by people that love you 
want to serve you and want to encourage each other. Lord, we pray that you'll bless the few minutes that we'll study here. We pray that truly we will deal with your scriptures in a way that would bring honor to you and to them and to magnify your cause and especially your son, the King of Kings. And it's through your son's name we pray and amen. Moving to another continent, I need to remind you of one more thing and we'll go into our study. Each year, for several years now, we have tried to send a gesture of warmth and love to our brothers in Latin America, especially in Honduras and El Salvador. And since Elias and Christy have moved, we appreciate Brett Hampton picking up that torch and running with that. And so those boards, that's a picture out in the foyer, just out of these doors and to the left. And if you would like uh, to give $50 for a preacher and his wife, uh, in one of those two countries to be able to have a nice meal with their family. Uh, and, and perhaps we would hope you would write a note encouraging them. Those notes can be translated and sent to them and even a picture of your family. They love to receive pictures uh, from you. And so if you are willing to do that, uh, please, by January the 26th, take one of those pictures, write the notes, submit the check. You uh, can write it to the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. And uh, we appreciate so much uh, you doing that. I want to encourage you to remember, let's do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. I want to encourage you, let's not grow weary in doing good. This morning, we began by looking at the very aspect of the Sunday Assembly, a, a church that is made up of atheists, and they proudly promote themselves of that. We're not talking about them. That's how they advertise themselves. And what they do is they talk about the things that they love about traditional church, except there's one sticking point that they don't like about church. They love fellowship and they love helping each other and even serving others out in the community. They like trying to grow and to become better people. But what they don't like is that sticking point of God. They want church without God. And brethren, it's growing around the world. There are more and more of these Sunday assemblies cropping up. We talked in length this morning about how it's not surprising because anything that's of great worth is going to be counterfeited. But yet the idea of also in our time, day and time, having someone, quote, to tell us what to do is not popular. And so the idea of what if I can create a church where I have all this fellowship I like and opportunities to serve and, and the belief that I'm becoming a better person, but yet I don't have anybody telling me what to do. Some people would say that's a perfect church. That's an atheist church. What if instead you say, I want to have the king of kings ruling my life. You remember we talked this morning about kingdom. The word kingdom means reign or authority. The very fact, if we are going to be a part of the kingdom, we are saying in every aspect of the word, Lord, I submit to you. I want you to reign in my life. I want you to be king. In other words, let's put it bluntly like we would talk today. I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to mold my life and literally create in me a new creation. I don't want to be that old person. I want to be a brand new person. But to do that is to break our, our, our will and let God's will be done. This morning we talked about how Paul in the book of Colossians just over and over and over lifts up the king. 
He can't hardly write more than a few phrases without talking about Jesus Christ. And so tonight, I just want to bring emphasis to that. And then also, as we bring some emphasis to that, also talk a little bit about the beginning of this book. Turn back, if you will, to Colossians, the first chapter and in verse one, Colossians one and one. We have an introduction here and you've heard me say this before. Paul and the people in the first century, they knew how to write a letter. We really mess up letters because we start to whom we're writing to. Well, if you open a letter that's addressed to you, you know who it's written to or you wouldn't have opened it to begin with. But what do you always do? You have to flip through it to get to the back to say, who is this from? Most in here probably look to see who it's from before they ever start reading it. First century, they had it down right. The way you wrote a letter in the proper way is you start with who it's from. And then immediately you tell who you're writing to. And you covered both of those at the first. Listen, they knew Paul and Paul knew that they knew him. Isn't it interesting knowing that he still described himself in this way? Paul, an apostle. Remember we said he couldn't go far without speaking about the king. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Now let's pause there for just a moment. Do you think Paul was on an arrogant trip? You know, it's kind of like, hey, they know me, but I'm still, I'm going to still slip in there. Hey, remember, I'm an apostle. No, most likely what he was doing was writing them to say, listen, what I'm writing you right now is authoritative. What I'm writing you right now is not just some great thoughts that a man had. What I'm writing you right now are words from an apostle of Jesus Christ, the king, the authority. The In other words, he's saying these words you are about to read have great authority. Are you going to submit to that authority? The choice is yours. But Paul's saying no that that's the kind of words you're reading right now. He also spoke about his co-worker, probably not a co-author. He mentions Timothy here in the first verse, a co-worker. We're not going to take the time to do this. And in recent weeks, we, we've mentioned about Timothy and, and Paul. And if you want to just glance real quick, it's just a page back in your Bible. Philippians, the second chapter is one of the greatest compliments that Paul ever paid to Timothy. And you see there in 2021 20, and 22, he says that he's going to send him to the people of Philippi because he's like-minded. He'll sincerely care for your state for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So you can't write without speaking of Christ Jesus, but you know, Talking about Timothy, his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And so he's talking about that close relationship they had. It's like a father-son, except it was a spiritual relationship. He talked about his character. He says, you know that he's proven character. And he's talked about his trust in him. I'm going to send him because I know that he will care for you in the same way that I would care for you. And he says, that's different from people in the world. Notice that, that phrase there in, in verse 21, for all seek their own. Listen, he means that. All seek their own unless something's changed in their life. If they had been brought into the kingdom, remember this morning's lesson? If we're out here in the darkness of the world, we're selfish. We seek our own. But if we've been conveyed over, if we've been translated over, and now we are delivered into the kingdom, the only way we can be in the kingdom is we have said, not my will be done, your will be done. I'm not going to be a selfish person anymore. Why? Have you just found within you a higher self? Oh, I've listened to some philosophy of men, and I found a higher self within myself, and I'm no longer... No, that's, 
That's humanistic. What about if it says you say, I've crucified self-will. I've put that to death and now everything in my life, I let God's will be done. That's what Paul is talking about there. And that's why he wanted to send Timothy because he knew that Timothy was that kind of man. But who was he writing to? Look with me, if you will, to verse two. Colossians one, verse two. He's, he's Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren, who? In Christ, who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and who? And the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you already see what we're doing here. Everything that Paul is going to talk about is going to intertwine Christ in it. And ultimately, as we close tonight, that's what I'm going to ask you. Can you go throughout this week and in everything, Christ will be interwoven all through it? So what you think and what you live and who you are, everything is under the reign of Christ. Christ is interwoven in everything that you are. If, if you have your Bible there, look at Colossians, the third chapter and verse four. Here's the goal. When Christ, this is Colossians three and four. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, I know he's teaching about the coming of Christ, but the only reason I want to read that right now is this. Can you join Paul in saying, Christ, he's my life. That's a beautiful statement. To me, if I had to pick one of the most beautiful phrases in the scripture, that would rank very high to me as a description. What if that can honestly be said of you? Christ, who is my life. He reigns. He's the king. Kingdom living is made up of people who can say, Christ, who is my life. Okay, we'll go back to verse two, though, in Colossians one. Who's he writing to? He's writing to saints. Do you know that that Greek word originally did not have any moral or ethical or religious meaning to it? We use it so frequently that way today and hardly ever in any other way that you probably find that hard to believe. But it really didn't. The word simply meant set apart. Anything could be set apart. Now, we have a religious group today. This is one of the biggest religious groups in the world that they use the word saint in another way so many times that we still sometimes miss the meaning of it. In other words, if you're going to be a saint among them, you have to be canonized into sainthood. And, and there has to be various things that have to be done in your life. And, uh, and one of the really difficult things is you have to perform a modern day miracle or you have to die as a martyr. And they call that the, the work or the act of beautification. And, and if you can't do that, you're probably not ever going to become a saint by their procedure of sainthood. Please note this. That is not anywhere in scriptures. And it's far misleading if we're going to understand the word saint. The original word is translated more often in the scripture. I'm talking about the same word. I'm not talking about the root. The very same word is translated most of the time. It's a couple hundred times in the Bible. It's either translated saint or it's translated holy. Right before the sermon night, we sang songs about holiness. If that would have been written in Greek, it would have been the very same word for saint. You just read the context and say, are we describing something or someone that's holy? Or are we describing a person who is holy? If so, call that person a saint. Now, someone sometime will sometimes think that it's a higher compliment than being a Christian. It's not. Listen, if you and I are a Christian, we are a saint. 
It's just that it's misused so oftentimes in Scripture, we misunderstand the way it's used. So who's he writing to? He's writing to the saints and the faithful brethren. Now notice that next phrase in verse 2. The faithful brethren in Christ. I almost want to apologize, but I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to say in Christ so many times over the next few weeks that I hope for as long as you live, you will never forget how important it is to be in Christ and how important that is to kingdom living, how important it is to the writing in Christ, in the Lord, in Him, in whom, all of those ways that in Christ can be written is written by Paul in 13 books 169 times. Listen, that's why we're going to be talking about it so often. It's because he does. Now, I want you to think about this. He's writing to the faithful brethren. Where are faithful brethren? All faithful brethren. Where are all saints? The faithful brethren in Christ. Now, go back this morning, and if you need to look at it, look at 13 and 14. He has delivered whom? He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Over here is the power of darkness and conveyed, in other words, moved us out. Well, where did he move us? Into the kingdom of the son of his love. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. That is why in Christ is so important. Who is he writing to? He's writing to faithful brethren. Well, where do all faithful brethren live? All faithful brethren live in the kingdom. Kingdom living. They are living in Christ. Now keep in, word, keep in mind, the word kingdom means reign. They are living under the reign and the authority of God. We can't do it on our own. That's why we are delivered by him. That's why we are conveyed by him. Now, I'd like for you to notice, we see also, and we're going to skip a little bit about in Christ. We just don't have time tonight. But notice in verse 7, I want you to see another individual named Epaphras that had a lot to do with the brethren at Colossae. Uh, picking up in the middle of the sentence in verse 7, he says, As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of what? A faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Now, you can go over to the fourth chapter, and we won't take the time to read that right now, but it says more about Epaphras in the 12th and the 13th verse of the fourth chapter. Beautiful compliments is given to him. From these writings, what we learn and are pretty certain of, might be a little bit of, of, of room for argument, but pretty certain of the fact that Epaphras was probably the one that started the congregation in Colossae. To our knowledge, Paul never established the congregation in Colossae, and he never visited the congregation in Colossae. But if you go back to the time that he was establishing and working in the church of Ephesus, remember he was there for three years. And in Acts the 19th chapter and in verse 10, it says, and this continued for two years. That's Paul uh, teaching, preaching in, in uh, a school there of Tyrannus. And he says, so that all who dwelt in Asia, who's that? All who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Here's what we deduce from this. Epaphras would have probably been one of those individuals that would have said, I hear about this great teacher. He's over, he's over in Ephesus. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to his school. And literally people from all over Asia came and they were taught about Jesus Christ, the kingdom, and they went back to their homes and they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
more than likely, that's how Colossae began. And so now when, when Paul writes to the people of Colossae, they have that relationship that is indirect through Epaphras. Now, isn't it neat that the way Epaphras is described in verse 7 is a minister of Christ? Is this too simple? Who, who's Paul? An apostle of Christ. Who's he writing to? Faithful brethren in Christ. How did they become faithful brethren in Christ? Because they had a minister, Epaphras, who was a minister of Christ. Here's your homework assignment. Will you every day think about the way you are living your life? Will you be able to follow it up with either of Christ or in Christ? We have mothers and fathers here. Are you a mother or father in Christ? We have many here that work in ministries. Are you, the word minister means servant. Are you a minister? Are you a servant of Christ? In other words, do you do what you do under the reign and the authority of our King? In other words, everything, it's God's will be done. I want to raise my children in such a way that the Lord would say, that's exactly the way I want you to raise them. You are being the parent that is of Christ. When you go to work tomorrow, are you going to be a worker who is in Christ? The way you live your life, Christ is seen in everything. Those of you that deal with customers and you deal with the few nice ones and the bunch of mean ones, are you going to do it in Christ? Those of us that will go into situations this week that right now we don't even know what they are, but they're trying situations and they may test our faithfulness and our ethics. Will we conduct our life and our business in a way to say, you can see I'm in Christ. It's obvious who my king is. I live in a kingdom. And it's all about Christ. To close, and, and you're going to have to have your Bible open for this, but I want to show you how powerful Christ is and the lesson is yours. In 13 and 14, this is why he's so powerful. The king is so powerful. He's our savior. He's delivered us. He's moved us into the kingdom. 14, he's redeemed us. He has forgiven us. 15, he is God. 16, he is the creator. By him, all things were created, whether it's in heaven or on earth, visible or invisible, no matter what, thrones or dominions or powers. He is the creator. And 17, he is the sustainer. It's in him all things consist. 18, he is the head of the body, the church. If I'm in the church, I'm saying, Lord, you reign over me. You're the head of the body. But notice the last part of that. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in how much? All things he may have the preeminence. And so verse 18, he is the head. He is the preeminence in my life. He's the savior. He's God. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the head. He is preeminent. Do you see in just 15 through 18 what Paul is doing there? He's just jumping right into this book saying, do you know the power of Jesus Christ? I'm an apostle of him. You're faithful brethren in him.
And it's because you've had a minister that is of him. And then the verses that we skipped, he talked about the knowledge that we need to have so that we can have wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we can walk a life that is worthy of him. In other words, we cannot get away from the very teaching that is everything about Christ. Without going back into the lesson, I just take your minds back to this morning. Something's wrong if I could do what I do in life and I call myself a Christian and I say I love the Lord's church, but what I do really is without Christ. What's the motive for what you do? What is it that you do? And if we're ever separated just the smallest amount from the King of Kings, we're off base. Everything about who we are and what we are must be around His reign. Tonight, does He reign in your life? I hope He does. But I hope you understand that is a decision that we make every day. That is a commitment that is renewed. That is a blessing that He gives us. We don't deserve it. If we could help you, if you need to learn more and you want to talk with us even after service, we'd love to study with you. Or if you're ready right now to be baptized into Christ, we'd love to see you do that. If you realize that your life isn't under the reign of the Lord and you want to come back and be a part of his kingdom,